Good to see you guys. Welcome to temporary location of Joy Church Eugene at Washington Park. So excited to have you here.、Uh, this is an awesome day. We're here to celebrate dads. Here to celebrate fathers. If you are a father or you play one on TV, would you raise your hand, please? Can we give the dads all?、Uh, can we give them a hand? Yeah. Good job, dads. Today, I don't know if you're really a good dad or a bad dad or just you know a deadbeat, whatever. But today, we're just going to act like you're the best dad, and we're going to celebrate the snot out of you. How's that sound? Does that sound good? Are we allowed to say that in church? Okay. We're going to celebrate the dads, and at the end of the service, because you have to keep you on the hook for the rest of the sermon, right? There's a gift for you, dads. Okay, and it's sitting up there on the back mantle. So it's Jacqueline's beef jerky. I can't do surprises, but that's what it is. Okay. So, anyways,、uh, my name is Jake, and I'm excited to、uh, be here with you this morning. And、uh, I have a message that I really feel the Lord put in my heart, specifically for dads. And this is a practical message. So, if you're not a dad,、uh, if you're a, a mom or a, a kid or a, a bystander that somebody dragged in here and said, "Hey, you'll get beef jerky at the end of this if you sit in here for an hour,"、um, this actually will be for you as well. But it's going to be specifically directed to dads. And I'll tell you why, because I I honestly believe that good fathers, okay, and and this is not to downplay the importance of mothers or good contributing members of society, anything, but but good fathers are the cornerstone of healthy societies, and I I believe I can back that up. Thank you. I believe that I can back that up not just from the Bible, not just from God's word, which really is an important way to back it up, the most important, but even statistically, to show you, and we're going to go into that a little bit to look at why. Fatherlessness is such a crisis in our culture, and、uh, and I want to tell you right now, being a mom, your your, your motherhood is going to go to a whole nother level when dad's doing his part, right?、Uh, if maybe you're a single mom, I believe God wants to bring you a, a God fearing good man to partner with you to raise good kids. Okay, now I want to just say this right at the beginning: if this isn't your context, maybe you're like I'm a single mom and I don't have a dad, and so you feel bad. Listen, I don't want you to feel guilty. This is not about Creating a sense of of what you don't have or anything like that. I, I want to just paint a picture of what the ideal is, and I want to hopefully put some faith in you that God can bring that picture in your life. But if you're a mom raising raising kids, good job because some of this is going to apply to you, right? You can put some of these things into play. So we're going to jump in here today, and、uh, you know one of the things that that is that struck me as I was preparing for this message is that God postures Himself as a father. Right, God postures Himself as a father. We don't worship Mother God. Okay. Now I know there's different thoughts, and I and I know that that God、uh, contains within Himself all gender. Right. So God created woman. God created man. But God postures Himself. He represents Himself as a father. It says in Second Corinthians chapter six, verse eighteen, and I will be your father. It's kind of a Darth Vader moment here. <laughs> I will be your father. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So when we come to God, when we come to have a relationship with God, it's important that we see Him as the Father, right? And there's a reason for that, and I'll, and I'll talk about why. But there's a reason that we see God as a Father. Now, let me tell you one reason why a lot of people have a hard time with God, because they had a hard time with their father, right?、Uh, the, unfortunately, for most of you, statistically, and, and most people in our culture. Probably about fifty percent would be the average. Didn't actually have a good role model, a good father, a good dad in their life to coach them, encourage them, put vision into them.、Uh, and so, oftentimes when we come to God the Father, we we put a picture of the dad that abused us, or a picture of the dad that neglected us, or a picture of the dad that that wasn't there, or whatever. 
that picture of dad that we had in our life. And we put that on God. And so we begin to have this view of God that maybe isn't, is, isn't right because God is a loving, perfect father. God brings the equal measure of discipline and correction, but also love and affirmation. And God is a perfect father and he represents himself as a father. So here's what we don't want to do. We don't want to say, well, I had a bad dad. I had a deadbeat dad or I had no dad or however that works and say, so that must be how God is. Instead, what we should do is allow who God is transform our thinking about what a father is and what fatherhood is all about. Yeah? So God represents himself as a father. And this is the basis of our relationship with God, is the relationship of a son or a daughter to their father. And we talked, we celebrated Mom's uh, Mother's Day. If you go back on our website, you can hear that message, and it was great. We had a great time celebrating moms and looking at the great things about mom. But, but, but I believe this message today will actually give us a better insight into what it means to, rep, to, to see God and how we relate to God. Now, we were talking about a, a healthy society and how good dads are really foundational to that. And I want to read you some statistics that I got from the Internet, so of course you can trust them. Because uh, everything you read on the internet is true, right? Yeah. No, th- these are true. So this one comes from the U.S. Department of Health. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 63%, which is five times the normal average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. That's 32 times the average. of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, which is 20 times the average. That's from Center for Disease Control. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. And 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes in the United States, nine times the average. So fatherlessness, there is a, a correlation between fatherlessness and brokenness in individuals' lives, in children's lives, as they relate to becoming functioning, contributing members of society. So we see that suicide goes up, homeless, homelessness, runaways, uh, behavioral disorders, anger problems, high school dropouts. You're like, man, I thought we were going to get encouraged and get beef jerky here today. <laughs> we're going to get to that. But this is, it's important for us to see that fatherlessness is not a minor issue when there's not a good dad, when there's not a good father or, or that representation in life problems come in because God designed it a certain way. There's an ideal. And how many of you know that when we come into the the house of God, we come to church, we're not here to just come in and get to feel good. We want to learn how to be a light in our culture. So it's important. And I want to speak to all the dads. And I'm just going to be raw today. Is that okay? Dads, is that okay if I just talk to you right where you are? Okay. It's important that we get it right as fathers in God's house, that as Christian men, we, we represent what it means to be good fathers. Because not only do we represent Christ and our Father God, but we represent to our culture what dads and what fatherhood should look like. And, you know, we're going to build a wall as strong men in our city that says the, the, this is where it stops. We're not going to see homelessness and broken families and destroyed lives and all these things because we weren't there. But, dads, we're going to be there, be a part representing God and his heart to our city. And let me just tell you, this doesn't just go for the children that you have biologically brought into existence. This goes for any kids that you bring into your life and become a spiritual father, become a mentor to. Come on, I want to see men of God rise up in their city and be fathers that people can look at and say, that's an example of what God would be like if he were in human skin walking around on the earth right now. I'm just preaching. So I want to share with you this morning the five gifts, the five gifts that a father can give their children. Okay, the five gifts a father can give their children. Number one, 
is the gift of presence. Not presents, like Christmas presents, right? But presence, as in you're there. That we need to be present with our children. We need to be present. How many of you heard of the dad that he goes, well, I've been working, I worked 75 hours this week and I'm putting, I'm bringing home the bacon. And so therefore, you know, and the kids don't care about that. Dad, they need you to be in their life. So we need to give as fathers the gift of ourselves. And this is how we give it. We give our time. We give them our ear. We listen to them and we give them our attention. You know, do you know that my daughter, she's four years old, Evie, and she's smart. She's sharp. I love talking to her. But you know, her political views um, are not incredibly interesting. Hey, you voting for Hillary or voting for Trump? She's like, I want candy. Actually, we should start a political campaign on this. You know, Evie, her views on philosophy and high art and culture, um, lacking a little bit. So I don't have conversations with my daughter because I get something out of it conversationally. You know, I love talking to Ed Dasso. We talk about art. I love talking to David. I like talking to Ben. I like talking to Kyle. We have good conversations. I love talking to my wife. We have good conversations enriching. She feels the way about me, how I feel about Evie, though, that I don't have any (laughs) views to share. But I don't talk to my daughter and give her my attention and give her my ear and my time because I want to get something out of it. I spend time with her. I give her my full attention so that the the force of my, my love and my attention, my presence is there for her. Let me just tell you, dads, if, if it's about you, you're, you're going to miss it. can't be about you. It has to be about them. Give your children your time, your ear, and your attention. My wife, Bethany, she attended a seminar on sexual trafficking. And, and you know, and, and this isn't talking about that happening in like Thailand or Eastern Europe. I'm talking about in Eugene and what's happening here. And the experts that were sharing at this panel, they, they said, let me tell you how the pimps get a hold of girls. And these pimps aren't guys with purple hats and canes at the Gateway Mall, guys, if in case you're thinking, you know, that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about normal-looking guys and even women that, that are there to, 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 to capture young people into sexual slavery and sexual trafficking. Do you know what they do to get them hooked on, to get a relationship with them? Let me tell you what they do. They just listen. That's all. They'll find these, these 15-year-old girls that, that they don't have a dad that's listening to them or a mom that's listening to them and you know, mom's too busy or dad's too busy or maybe dad's not in the picture and they go to the malls and they'll sit there and they'll just talk and they'll just let these girls tell them all their feelings, tell them all their problems and talk about their friends and guess what? That guy doesn't care about their political views. He doesn't care about their, well, you like Britney Spears? Great. He doesn't give a, he doesn't care. He's, he's listening to them. Why? To build a bridge to have their heart Dad, if you're not listening, somebody is. I don't want my daughter to have to go find some creep to listen to her. I'm going to listen to her. I'm going to give her the gift of my presence. You know, sometimes kids are annoying. My kids come into my office. You know, I'm trying to study and write like a sermonic masterpiece. It's the most incredible message that was ever preached at a community center in the city of Eugene. And my kids come in with peanut butter on their hands. You know, my Jack comes in running, he gives me a kiss on my leg. Jelly. And if you know me at all, like I want jelly on my pants, like I want to have my head chopped off. You know what I'm saying? I don't like peanut butter and jelly on my pants. H&M doesn't take it back when you, when, when you have jelly on it, you know. And uh, sometimes kids are obnoxious, sometimes they're, they're a hassle. But you know what? That's not what they are, they're a gift from God. It says in... 
Psalms 127, I love this. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. If you think that your your kids are bugging me, they're annoying me, yeah, but they're a gift from God. Listen to what it says. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. Come on, can I get a man to give me like a... You know, like arrows in a warrior's hands. It says this in Psalms 127, How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. God gave you arrows in your quiver, and those are going to be the thing that when you shoot them out into life, they're going to be a legacy and a testament to you as a man of God that people can look back and say, that guy was quality because look at his son, look at his daughter. That is what God has given you, man. Men, that's what God has given you. Children are a gift. Let's give them the gift of our presence, our attention, our time. Listen to them. Have their heart. Have their ear. Number two, second gift that you can give to your children is the gift of affirmation. Affirmation. I love this. We need to encourage and affirm our children. We need to tell them that that we love them. Maybe you didn't have a dad that said, son, I love you. But you know what? I, I practice with my kids. I love you. I love you. I'm not, too, I'm not so manly that I can't tell my kids I love them, right? Maybe there's a tough exterior. Not with me. I'm kind of a hipster. But anyways, maybe there's a tough exterior there, Dad. But when you tell your kids you love them, when you pour that into them, let me tell you what's going to happen. Their chest bows out. And that insecurity melts away because their dad loves them. I want to tell you right now that God, His word over you, God's message to you today is, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. Maybe your dad didn't affirm you, but your heavenly father today is saying, I'm proud of you. You're doing better than you think you are. There's a better future than what you had in the past. Your father loves you. Come on. We need to affirm our children. We need to tell them that we're proud of them, that we believe in them. Father's love is like rocket fuel to a kid's soul. It just, it just fills them up and just sets them free to do whatever God's called them to do and called them to be. And we can break the root of insecurity by affirming our children as our children and affirming them as God's children. There was a great general, his name was Lord Wellington, right? And Lord Wellington was the guy that beat Napoleon Bonaparte. And Wellington was this incredible leader of men. He was, you know, standing up on his horse in his red coat. He was a British general and just an incredible leader of men, an incredible general. And on his deathbed, they said, do you have any regrets? Because, I mean, nobody would think he did. He had this life of accomplishments and he said, yeah, I do actually. What is it? I wish I would have given more praise. Because Lord Wellington realized there was all these men that he had led and he was just, you know, on them like discipline and, and, and such an excellent man and he would press them to greatness, but he didn't praise. And that was what he regretted. I don't want to be on my deathbed and think back to my children and in those moments that I did not affirm them, I did not celebrate them, it said, I wish I would have praised them more. I wish I would have affirmed them more. You know, my son, Jack, one of the things I do, because I want to root deeply into him that he belongs to me. He's my son. He carries our name. He's valuable to me, connected to me, but also he's a child of God. I put my hand on his chest at night and I push down because he's a boy. You know, he can take it, right? This isn't child abuse. I'm not hurting him. He loves it, you know? It's like a dog. You rough him up and, you know? I push on my son's chest and I say, Jack, yeah, you're my son. And I do it in that voice. You're my son. Why? Because I want him to know, you're my son. You belong to me. You're a part of this family. You and I, we guard mom and Evie and Penny. We're the wall, son. You're my son. I want to put identity into him. You know, let me tell you what God's doing to you right now. He's putting his hand on your chest 
And he's saying, you're my daughter. You're my son. You belong to me. You know, whatever the world said you are, that's not who you are. You are my child. You belong to me. You are not worthless. You are not an addict. You are not anything other than what I've called you to be. And God's affirming you. That is what we need to do as fathers. You are my son. You are my daughter. There's affirmation. I'm telling him he's my son. Come on. You getting something out of this today? So fathers, we need to be encouraging. You know, I'm going to talk about discipline, but, but don't always just be the negative. Oh, you didn't do it good enough. You could do better. Sometimes they did it perfect. You know what I mean? Evie comes in. Sometimes she does something, and it's like 80% there. No, it's 100%. It's 100%. Why? Because I want her to feel my love and affirmation like fire on her soul, just that, that it's behind her, that somebody, her father, believes in her. You know, there's some people in my life that if they, they believe in me, oh, Jake, you know, good message, you know, pat you on the back, great. Like, I appreciate that. That's awesome. But today, my wife gave me a jar that said 46 ways I love you. And there was little things in there that I got to pull out. And, you know, let me tell you, that sent me to, like, the stratosphere. Because that person, my beautiful wife, affirming me really encouraged me. You know, when my dad calls me, I went through some rough stuff this year. My dad called me, and he, he just affirmed me. He said, you're a man of God. And, and my dad, he put his hand on my chest, and he said, you're my son. Let me just tell you what that does to your soul. It takes you to a whole nother level. Fathers, we can encourage our children. We can encourage our children. I could just preach a whole message on this, but I'm not. <laughs> Number three, we give our kids the gift of discipline. You lack discipline. Arnold. Okay. Was, it doesn't work if you have to tell people who you're impersonating. The gift of discipline. We have to be disciplined about discipline. Discipline is one of those areas that, that it, it, there's a tension here, right? Because you can do too much, right? Called child abuse. <laughs> Don't go there, right? Or you can do way too little, which is also child abuse. You know that? You know, Scripture says, discipline your children while there is hope, Proverbs 19, verse 18. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. Did you know you have the ability to not discipline your kids into a ruined life. Dad, it's your responsibility to do the disciplined work, the hard work of of correct and appropriate discipline when it's appropriate, when it's necessary. Do you hear what I'm saying? The Bible says, I know we have a bunch of different competing messages in our culture. Well, you discipline this way, you discipline that way, you don't discipline. Your kids are adults in children's body. No, they're not. They're kids in kids' bodies, right? Their brains are not fully developed. My wife and I were in youth ministry. Teenagers' brains are not fully developed, right? We know this, right? You're like, why'd you do that? I don't know. Your brain's not developed. Okay. But we have to, Ben's is fully developed, but not the rest of those teenagers. Are you a rage monster? Are you a pushover? Or are you a disappearing dad? You know, some dads, it's like, okay, the kid, you know, comes in, gets a little jelly on your your hands, and it's like, rage monster, that's not appropriate discipline, okay? Or you're the dad that, that, you know, kids come in, they're screaming at the mall and throwing a huge tantrum and you haven't been able to do any, like, hidden pinches or anything yet. And you're just like, you know, you're the, your wife or whatever is trying to, trying to discipline the kids and you're just kind of like, no, let's give them an ice cream cone. You're a pushover. Put your man pants on, right? Learn to discipline, okay? Dad, like, you can't just do this. And then, oh, there's the disappearing dad. Like, it's a discipline moment and, like, you're golfing. Or you're, you're on your computer, or you know, you're, you're, playing, you're watching Netflix, and there's, there's times and moments where discipline has to come. 
Now, let me tell you, when you're disciplined about discipline, you don't have to discipline all the time. There's a phase. Now, it just so happens that we discipline all day, all the time, because our kids are all under five years old. Between zero and five, there's no functioning cognitive processes working. People are like, oh, kids are basically good. They're not. They're little Hitlers, and they're out to rule the world. They want to control the TV. They want to control your bed. You're not allowed to sleep in your bed. They're going to come sleep in your bed. And so it's a battle. So zero to five, you just discipline. But, you know, our daughter, Evie, she's kind of on the cusp here of passing sort of out of the discipline realm where it's all discipline all the time into the coaching, teaching realm, okay? And there's, a, there's an age range. But if you've got zero to five, like you're just going to spank, you're just going to discipline, you're just going to yell, you're just going to nag all day because that's what you do because you're helping to form your kid's mind, your, their brain about what is right and what is wrong, Okay? Now, you have to be disciplined about discipline. You can't be like, I'm a rage monster on Thursdays. I'm a disappearing dad on Tuesday. And I'm a pushover on Wednesday. No, dad, you got to get it. Discipline. Hey, this is where the line is. Don't cross it. If you cross it, here's the consequence. When you cross it, the consequence comes. That's what discipline is. Now, I'm not going to tell you, you know, uh, what you should do with discipline. We could talk about that another time. But dads, you got to be disciplined about discipline. Don't be the rage monster. Don't be a pushover. Don't be a disappearing dad. And the other thing is that we only discipline for our child's benefit, not for our benefit. You know, I, the other day my son was doing something and it bugged me, so I kind of like, you know, spanked his hand or whatever. And I said, Jack, I am very sorry. I had to humble myself and apologize to him. And he said, it's fine. Just give me an ice cream cone. We made it all right. <laughs> but I was, you know, I was disciplining for my benefit because he bugged me. I'm trying to, you know, buckle his sister's, seatbelt that was only made for people with hands that are two inches, you know, long or whatever. And I couldn't get it in and he's smacking me in the face and I'm just like, stop it. You know, so, but it wasn't, he wasn't really doing anything bad. He was being two years old. Okay. And I disciplined him for my sake, not his. And I had to apologize. Dads don't discipline for your sake, discipline for their sake. And so you ask yourself this question, when it comes appropriate time to discipline, is this for me or is it for them? If it's for them, you do it. If it's for you, you don't. Okay. It says in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, don't, don't push your kids to the point where they need to be disciplined now because you've provoked them to anger. That's not right. We try, as a dad, you live in the affirmation zone, right? You live in the identity zone. You're my kid. You live in the encouragement zone, in the present zone. You don't live in the discipline zone. If your kids feel like you're always the hammer that's waiting to come down, that's not what we want to have with our children. My kids are like surprised when I spank them. I'm like, you guys, don't you realize that we do this every day like 10 times? You know, but they, that's not where we live. Does that make sense? They know that dad loves me. That, that's the default mode. So discipline comes when it's necessary, not for, not for my sake, for their sake. Number four, the gift of direction. Man, I don't have that much time, but I'm just going to say some things that I believe are going to, could really have the potential to change the trajectory of your family. Fathers, you have the opportunity to shape your children's destiny. I want to ask you these questions. Are you inspiring your children with vision? Are you challenging them with opportunity? And are you coaching them with strategy? Are you inspiring your children with vision? Are you saying, son, daughter, this is where you can go. This is who you can be. See, a lot of parents are like, I don't want to control my kid's life. I don't want to influence what they want to do. Y- yeah, you do. You, you have to speak vision into them. Because see, sometimes kids see something that's not right. 
They might look at the guy who's smoking crack on the street and think, that looks cool. No, it's not cool. So you have to come in and shape their vision and say, there's a better life. This is what we do. You know, and, and I'm not talking about saying, well, you have to be uh, a police officer or you have to be. That's not what I'm talking about with vision. I'm saying a vision for life and character. You know, we tell our kids that we love people. We accept people. We pour this into them. It's giving them a vision. But inspiring your children with vision, challenging them with opportunity, which means you let your kids do stuff. You have to give them opportunities to succeed or fail. You can't be a helicopter parent and expect your kids to develop as as human beings, right? You know what I'm talking about? Helicopter parent? Oh no, little Johnny can't touch the floor. He might get germs. So I'm going to be right. No, give them some opportunity. That's me, actually. <laughs> but uh, give them opportunity. And then coaching them with strategy. In other words, hey, this is how we do this kind of thing. And this would be applicable probably more for for kids maybe older than eight or nine years old into their teens. If you have teenage teenagers, this is where you live, right? Man, I'm giving them vision. Here's what you can do. You can go to college. Well, none of us ever went to college. You can go to college. Uh, you can do it. We can succeed. We can get you there. Here's opportunities. Sometimes opportunity means giving them some chores to do. They got to learn, right? There has to be opportunities to put vision into practice and then strategy. How do we get from here to there? How do we how do we, uh, how do we do this? What, what, what I see, what I have a vision for, how can I get there from here? There was a guy in the Bible, his name was Adonijah. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 6, Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, why are you doing that? Now, if you know the story of Adonijah, I won't go into all of it, but Adonijah was one of these people whose father, who was King David, who's this amazing person in scripture who was a terrible father he had one of his sons murdered another Adonijah was never asked why are you doing that why are you doing that and it ruined his life Adonijah later on ended up being executed by his brother Solomon because he was being stupid and and trying to usurp the throne Adonijah had never been asked why are you doing that his dad did not coach him and say son this is the vision for your life get yourself in line get yourself in order Here's vision, here's some opportunity to to grow, to learn, and here's some strategy for what you do. You do that, you don't do that. I had a father that strategized with me. So when I said, Dad, I want to be in the ministry, he said, okay, what are the steps that you need to take? Let's get you to go to Bible college. Let's get your studies done. You can't be graduating when you're you're, uh, 28 from high school, right? You, You need to be disciplined inside your study. So my dad was strategizing with me, coaching with me. He said, don't do that. There was relationships that I pursued, and my dad said, that's not the girl for you. And they go, oh my God, he's infringing upon your human right to be retarded. (laughs) Yes, slow, yeah. To be, I'm sorry, that's the wrong term. To be stupid in my thinking, right? My dad, was he did infringe upon me. I was... I wanted to go, not the right person. He knew, he saw my life. He had a vision for me. You hear what I'm saying? So direct your children. Provide direction for them. Do not let them just be a self-directed where they just go anywhere they they please. That's not going to end up good for them. Kids need parents to come. There's a reason why God gave parents to children. If there was no need for parenting by parents, then God would just make everybody fully grown human beings. But He doesn't. They come out tiny. They don't know stuff. They need direction. You hear what I'm saying? You all right? You're getting beef jerky at the end, so don't. So Adonijah, was, his life was ruined. He literally lost his life because his dad never said, why are you doing that? What are you doing? Are you providing 
your children direction. Now listen, someone or something is influencing your kids. And I want to ask you this question, why not you? Why shouldn't you influence your children? Bethany and I have been in youth ministry our whole life. I mean, pretty much our whole lives. I mean, our whole ministry life. And uh, we had many times parents come to us. And I remember this one lady in particular. She came and she said, you know, why, I asked her, why doesn't your, your child come to group? Why doesn't, why doesn't you don't have him come to church? And this woman said, well, I, I, don't wanna, I want it to be his decision. And that sounds so good, doesn't it? Well, I want it to be his decision to follow God. Absolutely, it has to be their decision. But you have the ability to influence them to being in an environment in which they can make a good decision, not a bad one. You see, this is a lie that your kids have this vacuum of influence, this empty thing where they're just going to make a good decision based on what they want to do. That's not true. Someone or something is influencing your kids. TV is influencing your kids. School is influencing your kids. Friends are influencing your kids. Parents, why would we abdicate the influence of our children? My kids aren't going to have a choice about going to church. I don't want to go to church. Get your butt in the car. We serve God. Now listen, when they're 18, if they want to go and do stupidity, then they can leave the house. But as if for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There will be influence, okay? Directly, in other words, I will command them to be at church. I'm 13. I don't want to be at church. Get your tail in the car. We are going to church. You don't have to like it, but you will sit there respectfully and you will listen, okay? Listen, you guys. That's not where you're going to live, though, if you're doing the other stuff. You hear me? But this is some corrective stuff. Sometimes we have children and we go, I'm just, I I don't want to influence them. Come on, somebody is influencing your kids. Why not you? Influence them for righteousness. You will save their life. When I look back at my dad, when he said, no, son, no. You know what? I'm not looking back, oh, what an abusive father. I called my dad a hero when I posted on Facebook. Dad, you're my hero. You know why? Because he said, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? He directed me. And now I thank him. Because he said, get your butt in church. We're not going to do stupidity. You can watch cartoons on Saturday. Sunday morning is for church, for being in God's house. My dad wasn't this jerk, right, demanding that we go. We ended up having a love, all of my siblings, a love for God's house. Influence your children. Influence your children. Don't abdicate the honor and responsibility God gave you to raise your children. All right, we're going to wrap it up here coming in. So this is number five, the gift of example. The gift of example. So we give... The gift of presence, the gift of affirmation, the gift of discipline, the gift of direction. And number five, the gift of example. And this one is huge because all the other ones sort of pivot on this. That if you are not what you say, you can't lead people where you don't live, right? You can't direct your children if, you don't, if you're not there, if you don't represent that, right? What, what are you modeling to your children? What are you modeling? Are you modeling a love for God's house and God's people? Or are you modeling a love for golf and beer? How many children they just saw, well, my dad loves golf and he kind of tolerates going to church. And they saw in your example, in your model, this is my priority. This is my priority. Are you modeling a love for your wife? Dads, are you showing your sons how to take care of a woman? My kids see me hug their mom, kiss their mom, love their mom, dance with their mom in the kitchen even though I'm a bad dancer and she pushes me away. But you know, they, I want them to see me romance my bride, my beauty, my, my wife, so my son will not be a rapist or, or a, an abuser. My son does not strike my wife. If he strikes my wife, he gets struck in a lot diminished way. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
but but I'm, I want to model to my son. You protect. You provide. You are you you honor women. I model that. Does that make sense? I want my son to know that I love God. My kids see me worship. My kid my kids see me pray. My kids see me read my Bible. My kids see me as a man of God, so that they see that's what the father that they get that picture in their spirits. They get a vision of what dad is. Dad, if you're like ah. Uh, play video games a few hours a day, go out with my buddies, come in and I see the kids for five minutes. They don't get the modeling. They don't get the example that you could give to them. So we need to be that, that example. Are we worshipers? Are we men of prayer? Do they know that we love God? Do we know that we love God's Word? Do they see that in our lives? Are we modeling it? So we give our kids the gift of example. We are the template that we're asking them to step into. And I want to ask you this question. Why would we expect our kids to become what we are not? You see, I want my daughters to to grow up and be graceful. I want them to grow up and love Jesus. I want them to grow up and love to worship God. I want them to, to have a love for God's house. I want them to have a love for God's people. So I have to model that to them. I want my son to love his wife. I want him to be a good dad. So I need to model that to my kids. Now listen, maybe you didn't have a good model. Statistically, a lot of people did not. I was blessed and lucky to have a wonderful dad, and it, and it really helped me in my life. But maybe you didn't. Well, I don't want you to, to feel sorry for yourself. I don't want you to feel bad. What I want you to do is break the cycle. You have the opportunity to be that kind of a dad that you didn't have. And you can break the cycle, and you then reset the legacy of your generations, of your downline. You then get to be the father of the, the clan. You get to be the father of the family. Does that make sense? You know, there's men in this room, and I won't call them out, but men that I deeply honor and respect who I know didn't have the model of fatherhood who are good dads and good fathers and love God. And you know what? I just want to commend you, dads. But guys, you know, all of us, whatever kind of a dad you had, good dad, bad dad, great dad, terrible dad, you can be, you can, you can change that. Does that make sense? You can be a good model wherever you came from. Now, as we wrap up today, Conclusion, the number one thing that, that dads, we can do for our kids is to really connect with and know our dad. Not our natural dad, but our father in heaven. To know his love and to be transformed by it. Like we just talked about, not every dad had a good dad, but God is a perfect father. We sing a song here, you're a good, good father. You know, when you know God's love, maybe you didn't have a great example in your life, but when you know God's love, it can transform you and you can pass that on and he can teach you to be a great dad. God can teach us to be great dads. And so we need to know the love of God today. I want to finish up by just reading a couple of scriptures. It says in Psalm 68, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. He's a father to the fatherless. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, And by him we cry, Abba, Father. This is Daddy, Father. That in God's family, you can have the the perfect Father, the perfect Daddy, that kind of an intimate relationship with a Father that pours into your life and loves you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Listen to this part. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. 
This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And lastly, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. You want to see the perfect Father? Don't look at me. Don't look at anybody in this room. Don't look at your dad. You look higher. You look at God in heaven. He's a perfect Father. You want to find the balance between over-disciplining and under-disciplining? You look at God. How does God respond to us? He's completely merciful in our failures. God doesn't come in and rub your nose in what you did. God comes in and says, I know who you really are. That's not who you really are. Is that, how did that work for you? Not well, God. All right, why don't you come in and be part of the family again? Does God correct? Absolutely. Does God discipline? Absolutely. That's important. But God overwhelmingly is merciful and loving and affirming and encouraging. And I want you to know the love of God today. Whether you're a father or a mother or somebody else on your way to becoming a father or mother or whatever, know God's love because that right there will begin to transform your soul. And you know, you can listen to all these principles and you can say, I got a couple things out of that and I'll put this into play. But ultimately it doesn't work unless you know God's love because that takes out insecurity. That creates identity that you can pass on to your children.